The research shows it's, it's a, a uniquely human challenge. The, the trials are promising. Welcome to the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network, a service of DDN News, the industry's leading source of information about the technology and business of pharmaceutical and biotechnology research. Hello again, this is Bill White reporting for DDN News. This podcast is made possible by Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. With us today is Carl Rodosevich, the business intelligence and product manager for Panasonic Healthcare. Carl's based up in Chicago. Carl, welcome to the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. Carl, you were recently interviewed by Jeff Bully, the senior editor of DDN News, about the role of oxygen control in the cell culture incubator. Today, mm -hmm. let's follow up on that interview by covering some of those main points and then updating our listeners on what's happening out there in the cell culture community with respect to the uh, cell culture incubators in general, especially in follow-up to your own observations. So mm -hmm. what's happening out there with O2 incubators? Well, I think uh, a lot is happening uh, just in the general world of cell culture with the relevance uh, and exploring the relevance of oxygen control and levels across all areas of tissue and cell culture, everything from the discovery world and through different bioprocess techniques and, of course, the research field. So there's a lot of exciting things going on uh, with exploring those oxygen levels and looking at the relevance of this uh, column, common uh, molecule and the really diverse role it plays at a cellular and intercellular levels um, and the applications that have evolved around it as well as the implications that oxygen has in different disease models. Carl, a lot of times we think of cell culture incubators as uh, focused on delivering temperature, you know, precise temperature at or around 37 degrees C. We want some humidity in there to uh, prevent the media from uh, evaporating, especially on the microplates, things like that. And we mm -hmm. also then want the CO2 control to help us control the uh, pH of the media. That's kind of a conventional look at a CO2 incubator, but the advent of O2 control has uh, essentially complemented that and the objective is what with uh, respect to investigations? Well, I think when we're looking at, at cell culturing techniques and, and importance, it's good to take a step back and say, what, what is the role or the primary job of a cell culture incubator? And it's a really simple idea. We're trying to simulate the most accurate way possible the in vivo conditions within in vitro environments. So we're trying to essentially replicate what goes on inside a human or a mouse or some other mammalian body and trying to apply those environments um, and those controls in vitro, which has been a daunting task in the past. So we have effectively been able for the past several decades to culture cells immortalized cell lines and the like within quote-unquote conventional 
CO2 incubator parameters, the ones that you listed, but again, as more and more research has come out, we found the need to really model the oxygen levels within those in vitro environments as well, because the resident levels of oxygen within a given tissue, like your liver or your lungs or your brain, is often much lower than the oxygen levels uh, of the ambient air within a conventional CO2 incubator. So what we're really trying to do is design our incubators to more closely simulate that in vivo environment. And part of that is really producing, effectively producing those uh, hypoxia levels uh, in vitro. And really what this does for us is that cell culture often acts as this sort of compass for future investigations, right? Because cell culture is always the starting point for a disease model or a drug discovery or a gene target, something that we want to elucidate in, in terms of a biological mechanism or a gene target or something like that in order to better understand and control disease. So cell culture is the step one for this investigation and the data generated from cell culture techniques and investigation quite often acts like a quote-unquote compass to you know point any future investigations like any sort of uh, in vivo investigations in mouse or subsequently humans in the most accurate direction so again it, if we have the most in vivo like environment in vitro or within our co2 or o2 incubators that will give us the best data for any sort of downstream developments. As we know, in the, the medical and drug discovery community can be very timely and expensive. So it's very important to start with the best data and move forward from there. And you speak of the best uh, data. How does an investigator know what the ideal O2 level might be for whatever cells they're trying to grow? Really, that you know takes a level of investigation depending on uh, the tissue of interest or the system of interest. But you know, really, the general concept is to to mimic uh, to whatever uh, percentage of oxygen that resides at a given tissue and mimic that within your O2 incubator. Now, it gets a bit more complex depending on what disease you are studying. Um, and a lot of, there's been an overwhelming amount of evidence that has come out showing that, you know, intracellular gradients of oxygen within tumor cells uh, during metastasis events can vary. So it can go from levels to 0.1% oxygen, perhaps up to 5% oxygen. So as a disease model progresses, the levels of, of oxygen may differ and dictate those cellular events. So a lot of it comes from really kind of looking at similar models of cancer or of tissues that have been that have uh, already been published in peer-reviewed science journals. And that's really a good place to, to start, I would say. Carl, we're talking about one component in what we, we like to look at is the cell culture equation. And we've seen research recently that suggests that reproducibility is a real problem in the scientific community and anything we can do to mitigate any kind of uncertainty as to what our, our cell culture systems are actually dealing up for these cells is a huge advantage. Tell us about the precision 
control of the incubators that that you are working with? I, I think that's a, an excellent point, um, and we we talk about uh, oxygen um, as an important element within our incubators, but of course we have to make sure that all the other environmental parameters and gas parameters are equally precise, including the temperature, the CO2 levels, the humidity levels, and the uniformity of such environmental parameters within the incubator. So you know that wherever the culturing is taking place within that incubator, you won't have this sort of unnatural gradient of environmental parameters within that system. So that's a very important point to make. It's an important element to the cell culture scientists, like you mentioned, to provide your process or your experiments with the most precise and consistent environment to cultivate cells. So these researchers, especially cell culture researchers, naturally have to deal with so many variables just by the nature of their work. So when we designed the Panasonic cell culture incubators, our cell IQ incubators, we, we don't want to provide another level of variability uh, within their experiments. So to get the most consistent and rep reproducible conditions uh, within our Panasonic incubators, our engineers have really incorporated a very reliable and smart set of sensors and controllers into our systems. And all of these separate components are all integrated and controlled by a sort of central brain in the unit, like the microprocessor. So using an example, Panasonic has a, a very a very unique carbon dioxide sensor that uses uh, an infrared light to control CO2 levels, to monitor and control those levels. So any deviation in those environmental levels, like for example, when a researcher opens a door and the gas escapes from that incubator, that smart sensor reads those levels in real time and tells that incubator to pull that gas back up to those correct set points very precisely so it can return to that environment. And we have similar technologies in place for controlling other parameters uh, like oxygen and temperature to really have that consistent environment for daily repetition of experiments and to, to really limit the variables surrounding those tissue cultures experiments. Sure. It's all about reproducibility. Uh, we're on the air with the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network, a service of DDN News. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network, a service of DDN News. This is Bill White with Carl Radosevich of Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. And we're talking about O2 control in the cell culture environment. Uh, Carl, the Panasonic Healthcare appears to have a pretty long storied history in the innovation of a broad range of laboratory products, but certainly the, on the cell culture side and specifically on the incubators. How are people using these incubators now? I'm sure you have some case histories that uh, you can talk about without going into a lot of detail, um, but what are you seeing out there in terms of successes? I'm glad you brought that up because we do have a very rich history of uh, cell culture equipment innovation throughout the last 30 years here at Panasonic. 
And I think we've worked with a number of really high-level uh, professors and in different industries that do different type of culturings. So we've been able to work very closely with a lot of innovators globally, including Nobel laureates. Um, so really what Panasonic has done is really worked to facilitate the design of their incubators around the increasingly demanding nature of the cell culture environment. So as, as these processes become uh, more and more delicate, so to speak, or more and more precise, we have taken our components and our controls and allowed for a much more precise environmental control to facilitate these types of experiments. One example to talk about is really from the start, we've really worked with the in, in vitro fertilization community. I like to talk about this community because they're obviously working with a very important and delicate type of culturing, and that's the ultimate in vivo-like environment that we want to provide in vitro, and that's the, the culturing of uh, the embryo. And so these this community has always been really a trailblazer in terms of mandating and dictating what, you know, very precise type of technologies. And they've really been the innovators with the hypoxia type of control and demands within the, the cell culture incubator. And really other fields have followed suit, namely the stem cell and uh, regenerative medicine field. There's been a lot of studies from this to start across uh, many different types of stem cells that show they require very special handling and precise environments in order to properly differentiate and grow more effectively into a specified tissue of interest. So again, that is where the demands for oxygen control and precise CO2 and temperature controls have come into place that we've that we've worked really closely with uh, right. in those communities. And 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 Panasonic uh, was a pioneer in that part of the industry. We also uh, know that there's a a great deal of work being done in regenerative medicine, um, and that typically leads to the business of stem cells. Um, what are you seeing out there on that front? It's a very interesting and exciting world in the world of stem cells because I think it's kind of that gold mine field for really trying to resolve some of these disease problems that we've never been able to to unlock before. So although there's not a whole lot out there in terms of applications for stem cell medicines, the the power of stem cells as a tool in the lab to investigate certain diseases and then the potential to use these types of cells to regenerate tissues and to restore health holds so much potential. So there's there's a lot of focus on stem cells and you're really seeing it across a lot of the research environments, cancer and, and you know, diabetes and tissue regeneration and those types of things as, as well as a tool for uh, investigating you know, at more of like a university type of setting as well. So um, I think that will be kind of the next wave of, of medicine, kind of like, you know, what antibiotics were earlier, 50 years ago, um, how they kind of changed medicine. I think the stem cell will kind of be the new revolution, revolution in, 
in the clinic. And that calls into partnership the, uh, the, the, the research and development from companies like Panasonic Healthcare, working in concert with those on the bench and out there in the investigative world, um, and still trying to dial in the right parameters and doing it every day, day in, day out, no surprises. Uh, we like mm-hmm. to say that our, our our scientific customers, they don't like surprises and they like to minimize uncertainty. Absolutely. We'll be back in a moment with Carl Radosevich with Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. You're listening to the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network, a service of DDN News. We're back with Carl Radosevich at the Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. Carl, we've been talking about incubators, CO2 and O2 incubators and O2 control, and the, the need for all of that. The incubators, however, are one component in the overall cell culture equation, and we have other products that fit uh, into that overall schema and it's important that there be some continuity in terms of quality and performance from one uh, product to the next. So where do the Panasonic incubators fit in? I think it's a a great question, Bill, and it's at a very important time, uh, an exciting time within our company at Panasonic because this year we have really completed the, the circle of the cell culture equation and as any cell culture biologist will know, it is so important to have really precision controlled equipment at all stages of that cell culture equation, everything from cryopreservation to, you know, intermediate or short-term storage at, you know, minus 80 or uh, minus 30 to refrigeration and then cell process handling uh, within the biosafety cabinets, which is a product line that we introduced this year. And of course, as we mentioned, really having a, a tightly controlled cell culture CO2 O2 incubator. So Panasonic has really taken our previous expertise in the cryopreservation and cell culture equipment and we've added to that uh, cell culture equation uh, by introducing the biological safety cabinets. So it's a very nice line of equipment that will be trusted along the way. Okay, Carl, uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Okay, we've been talking with Carl Radosevich, who is the business intelligence manager, uh, business intelligence and product manager with Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. Carl's based in uh, Wooddale, Illinois. For more information on cell culture best practices and new incubator technology, reach out to Carl online at his website, panasonic-healthcare.com slash us slash biomedical slash incubators. This podcast is made possible by Panasonic Healthcare Corporation of North America. Until next time, this is Bill White for the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network. Be sure to follow us online at ddn-news.com. You've been listening to the Worldwide Drug Discovery Network, a service of DDN News. Thank you.